Man, what a, it's an honor to have you here. Like, uh, you're one of my heroes. You're one of my uh, my teachers, my just, you know, like, a, like local, local. You've you've made a difference to so many lives. Coach, you know, Coach Andy here and Brian Pirata, everybody down the line, actually, that I've ever had, like, help us with the Muay Thai. And so many so many people around L.A., they've been your students. And uh, it's, it's, really, it's really an honor to, you know, you've cornered me, you've, you know, gone, you helped me so much over the years and, so it's it's been too too long. It's too long. So I really appreciate you uh, you coming in. Well, likewise, Alberto. Together. It's an honor for me. Thank you for having me out here. And yeah, I remember having you there. We had some fun, man. We had some good times. <laughs> I remember when uh, me and Justin Fortune were out in Arizona with you, and we were like all excited. Oh man, I hope he knocks this guy out. Oh yeah, you so. It was in Canada. It was in Winnipeg, Canada. Canada too. But weren't we in another one too? And maybe, I, maybe, yeah, yeah, Arizona, yeah. And we, you end up, you choke the guy out in like thirty seconds. I was like, <laughs> oh, man. I mean, a win's a win, but uh, well, that, was, that was fun. I remember uh, you got you stuck me in because I, you know, I didn't have a, a stand-up background, but you snuck me into one of the smokers, you know, oh, yeah. first fights, you know, mm-hmm. just for me to get some stand-up experience. You know, I had a pro card, but you know, I need, I didn't have really too much stand-up experience. And so you snuck me into one of the Muay Thai smokers up in Santa Clarita. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> Chuck Liddell and uh, yeah. um, uh, John Hackleman like, was there. Yeah, yeah, I think I fought, they fought one of their yeah. guys. Right? Tough, one of their tough kids. They were good. They were good. They were bangers. <laughs> man, so how many years have you been teaching Muay Thai? Oh, gosh, man. Uh, well, I'd started doing Muay Thai in the 80s. In the 80s? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I remember seeing in Black Black Belt Magazine some of those Mm -hmm. those old school, especially inside Kung Fu. Inside Kung Fu, they did a lot of stuff on on Muay Thai too, and uh, my wife was uh, one of the editors of that stuff also, June Castro. But uh, um, in the eighties, started and then started it, went to Thailand in ninety one at Sit Yatong. That's where I started at Sit Yatong. That's why it's so great for me to carry the Sit Yatong name. I'm really mm-hmm. proud of that because when I went, it was like at the end of the golden age. So, I mean, Nung Pichit, uh, Cha Chai Pai Sitong, Samat Piakalun had just retired, uh, Gong Tani, his brother Kugong. Um, all those legends were there. And my first trainer was, uh, I got to work with uh, uh, Dao Tong, the first champion of Sitya Tong. And he was the, like the main trainer. And Kuya Tong was there. He was very active, too, at a, at a later age. Really inspired me, too. The guy mm. didn't drink, smoke. You know, he, had, he had a couple wives, but uh, <laughs> he uh, was a really, like, uh, um, well-versed. He had such a toolbox with his Muay Thai and I also like that he didn't hide anything from the foreigners, too. Mm. Um, no secrets, you know, and uh, that was really important because, like many martial arts, mm. especially the Asians or any, any, they keep it for themselves. Yeah, you know? jiu-jitsu back in the day, jiu-jitsu too. Jiu-jitsu, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so that was really the, good. They want to share the secrets. Exactly. But I was lucky to get with Kruya Tong, and he really took me under his wing. He really did. I had a uh, Thai girlfriend at the time, and I, her mother-in-law, uh, or her mother, had brought me to the camp, and uh, 
I had her ask Kru Yatong, because I, I couldn't speak Thai back then. I had her ask him, hey, don't just sit me in the corner or have me kick the bag like the other foreigners. Ask him to give me a good trainer and to, you know, show me some stuff. Mm. And he, he did. He did. He really uh, he laid it out. It was great. What was the story? You'd always tell us stories about him, like he won the lotto? Mm-hmm. 2004. Uh, Kriya Tong won the lottery. Um, not a huge, like a USA lottery, but a couple mil still. I mean, he did well with it. But the thing about it was he gave all the money away to the poor. I mean, there were literally people lining up um, at the camp. And it was, it was kind of funny because I went back the next year after he won the lottery mm. and all my friends and trainers, they were all driving BMWs and had houses and that's awesome. I mean, you don't really hear about he that. He gave it out to everybody. Yeah. You don't really hear about that. You know, in America, Oh, someone won the lottery. They gave all the money away and helped out all these communities. I've never heard that. So, I mean, it's just the type of person that he was and it, a really good leader. I believe you have to lead by example. If you don't like show people the way, especially young, like knucklehead kids mm. that are probably going to end up in prison if they don't have the right mentor. Mentors are so important. I mean, you had them coming up. You know, I see one right there. Exactly you know, yeah. Exactly yeah. yeah. And uh, it's just, it's vital to your growth. You can go one way or the other, other exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah, um, so I remember you would always share with me too, like when you were younger, like you were like, uh, you know, the, you know, you're, you're, how did you start into Muay Thai, your Muay Thai journey? Well, my dad was a boxer when I was a kid, but he, he didn't show me much. And he, he was a club fighter and my uncle John too. Uh, they were tough yeah, guys. You used to have some crazy dad stories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dad was a, he was a tough dude. I mean, he would just, there was no spanking. I mean, you get your ass beat. But uh, it, it toughened you up, but it's not a way to raise a kid. Where, where did you grow up? Indiana, a Midwestern farm boy. But uh, my father, uh, you know, pretty much just put the gloves on and, and we duked it out, kind of. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. He busted me up, and I was like, man, I don't want to do this. And then, like a lot of kids my age, almost all of them, we saw Bruce Lee enter the dragon, mm. and it was all over. It's like, wow, that's what I want to do. You know, I mean, Bruce Lee motivated still to this day. I mean, it's crazy. He was doing MMA before, what, in the early 60s? It's un unreal. I mean, I learned a lot of grappling from Gene LaBelle, too. Mm. Gene just passed away. Right, that's right. a major icon in the grappling in the MMA world. But uh, Bruce got a lot of influence with him. He also got influence from a lot of Thai boxers. When he was, the story was uh, um, working in, in Thailand, which is a, was a cheap place to film, mm. and moving around with some of the, uh, uh, like the extras and the stand-in guys. And the, the guys in Thai, Thailand, I mean, national sport of Thailand, not so much anymore because soccer's kind of took over, but, you know, especially back then, they were all, they all could fight Muay Thai. You learned it in gym class. And... Uh, the story was, I mean, Bruce got tested pretty good. And mm. at that point, he was smart. You know, he said, you know, I, I've got to learn this. I've got to make this part of my my uh, arsenal. And uh, 
that's why I think later Dan Inosanto and Richard Bastillo, who's my, I got into Jeet Kune Do. I mean, that was what really motivated me. That really was really what got me interested in Thai boxing too, and how I met my first teacher. But uh, um, the first one that told me about Muay Thai was my my cousin Jack, who was another mentor of mine. He was a Vietnam vet, helicopter gunner crazy dude i mean i don't know if you ever met him he, he came out to visit you me know, he's telling me some of these family stories your dad's stories <laughs> yeah. yeah and you're a kid you went you went you're like you're he told you to stay in the car i don't know something like that you know and he went out there <laughs> yeah i think he ended up getting in like a gun battle with somebody i mean in south side of chicago you know so but anyway um this, uh, uh, my cousin was the first mentor that really told me about Thai boxing and what it was. And uh, at the time I was a little kid, maybe like second grade, I started doing karate, real traditional stuff, you know, it's all we had in Indiana, wrestling, boxing, some karate, nothing, you know, very progressive or anything. So I was doing that and he was like, if you really want to mer learn a martial art that, you know, is effective, that you can fight with, that's really, it's straight up dangerous, you need to learn Muay Thai. And I was like, where, where am I going to learn that around here? So when I ended up moving to California in the 80s, in 84, I think, I was what, actually... What, what made you move out here? I was a guitar player. Ah, and I went to music school out here. I was a GIT, a metal guitar player. And everything, really. But uh, came out here, and then I got, you know, tired of the whole scene with, you know, playing in bands and bars yeah. and being around all the drugs and alcohol. So I got out of that, and I got back into martial arts. And then at that time was when I found the Jeet Kune Do with uh, Richard Bastillo. And uh, that just changed the way I looked. I still like the JKD concepts a mm. lot because they include – what works, you know, and uh, Thai boxing was a big part of it. Now, I guess my, you know, I, 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 you need grappling. I mean, you do. You need striking. But for me also, I mean, I got deep into firearms the last couple of years. I'm on a, co a competitive shooting team. I started training some, some people in the competitive shooting world. And next thing you know, I'm just... All in. Yeah, and <laughs> but, then dog training too. But you, you. So when did you move out to LA, California? Eighty four. Eighty four. Yeah. So the eighties, that was like the progression, right? There was like karate, and then it progressed. That was like the you know before in the eighties, seventies, right? That was like the you know the the tough guys, like the real fighters, were like yeah. karate guys, and then it kind of moved into Muay Thai, right? Mm -hmm. um, in the late eighties. Late eighties. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so you were in the forefront. There was before they had jujitsu or grappling. Right? I think the. UFC was just getting its start. I think the first UFC was 93. So was it was, it? Yeah, wow. it was those yeah. years before, right? Because I remember... I got back from Thailand. And those guys... Because I, I lived in New York, and, uh, you know, they had the magazines and stuff, and I was, a, you know, I was a fan, and the Muay Thai was where it was at, which that's what you wanted to learn. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, it was the... Gracie Jiu-Jitsu or Jiu-Jitsu wasn't even on the wasn't even on the, not yet. On the radar, you know? <laughs> no, not yet, but they made their mark. Yeah. I mean, they proved that it, it worked. And the same thing with Thai boxing. I mean, they proved it worked. They invited 
you know, the teams from Hong Kong and, and Japan and the karate teams to come over. And I, I don't like to compare other martial right, arts. Right, right, right. Everybody has know? their place, right? Exactly. And I, you know, in the beginning, I would like, oh, I don't go for that Ninja Turtle crap or nothing. But you know what? Some guys can make it work. And you'll look real foolish and real stupid if you get KO'd by that, you know? And you were just talking shit. Going back to the Jeet Kune Do, right? Like, whatever, wor it works for different times, right? Yeah, like, being open to all the things. Yeah, I did the same thing, right? <laughs> I was like, I were the best, you know? Yeah. But, you know, you can learn everything from, from everyone. No doubt. No so doubt. Being open to that is important. And when you stop, you know, start thinking that, you know, you got it all, that's when it's it can really expose you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things I loved about City of Tong, L.A., um, your gym was just the, the, the environment, you know, the culture, like the just the very traditional things. Mm -hmm. You know, you educated me on all these things. I remember still some of the, the Thai words, like, you know, or the, or the uh, their commands or what, but Tatmala, Fonsa. Fonsa. Yeah, the elbows. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, like, you know, just it was so ingrained because I, I, I really, I really, uh, yeah, I, I got all in. I remember bringing... Some of the MMA guys, yeah, you know, the professional UFC Some guys, famous we, guys, yeah, we, we are Shonen, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know what? I think we were the only ones doing that at that time. Yeah, you yeah, know, really. Yeah. And when we went to Thailand, we already knew some stuff and could communicate with the Thais, and it it made them more comfortable. And when that happened, they'd show you more. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I looked at it this way, Alberto. If they're going to let me carry the name of a famous camp like Sit Yatong, I better do it right. I better adhere to the traditions. I better teach the pre-fight ceremony. I want to have them know the terminology, and I want to have them know about their camp. Sit Yatong means sit, come from the Thai word looks it, means student. Yatong Senanan, students of Yatong Senanan, the founder. Also, the other meaning the lead of the elite in Muay Thai. Mm. Uh, a yod tong is actually the ball on the top of a flagpole. Tong meaning flag. So kind of can be loosely translated to a flag that flies above, right? Like the, the Marines putting in the American flag on Iwo Jima, right, after they conquered that. Mm. It's kind of what it means. Yeah, yeah. Man, I'm grateful I got to I got to meet him. I, I guess that one yeah. time I went, you know, he was still he was still mm -hmm. he was still good and healthy. Exactly. Wow, you know that when was that? That was two thousand, two thousand or eight. Was it that? That I think late? So I think so because my son was born. No, I think it was before that. Two thousand six. Because it was uh, who was with us too. Orlando Ozzie, Sanchez, Ozzy, Ozzy, Andy, um, Andy was yeah, there. Yeah, Andy was there. I remember Andy shaved his head. Shaved his head. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a mustache. No mustache, no hair. You're like, who is that guy? <laughs> I remember his brother telling him, are you trying not to get laid or something? <laughs> he was committed. <laughs> Tell you what, he, he was fun. He was fun. Good fighter, too. Yeah, good person. Good Very person. Good. Yeah, I remember one night when I, I talked to him about coming here, it's like, I got to ask crew. Walter to make sure he gives my he gives his blessing. That's like, the right way to do it. I mean, I mean, uh, you gotta remember where you. We didn't just like wake up one morning and be like a, a Muay Thai champion or knowing all this stuff. We gotta give credit to where credit is due, and the same 
goes on and it's, it's part of your lineage. Yeah, yeah. Karma. A lot of people don't, they don't uh, they don't think it's important or they right they don't they don't give value or give credit right where credit's due. I think it's even worse now with all the <laughs> you know doing it for likes or something. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was it was it was cool, and I remember the clinch work. Loved your 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 clinch work. Like, like I I brought a lot of the guys over just because of that, you know. Uh, I, I remember your knees too. Oh yeah, your knee me. Oh yeah, <laughs> the ribs many times. <laughs> Man, so it's a, that's a lot of years, you know. It's a lot of years. No so, doubt. So no in doubt. the eighties, and then and then uh, how did it evolve to you opening up City of Tongue? Funny story with that. I uh, fought co-main event at uh, Patia Stadium. I don't think it's around anymore. It's a stadium. It was called Patia Nua. And uh, I fought uh, Fotong Sa Priyapan. He's a pretty known Thai fighter. And uh, it's kind of a funny story. I, I At the time, they didn't really trip out on the ties wearing a mouthpiece or not. I mean, if you wore it or you spit it out, they wouldn't even really care like over here they would stop the whole fight okay put the mouthpiece can, can you back. buy mouthpieces in there in yeah of the course store? you yeah, buy you them but <laughs> anyway so the, i got in the ring with this this fella and i heard his crew talk or his uh coaches talking to him in the corner mm. and they were telling him ah falang ginmu means like gin is to eat mu is pork a pig like and it's an expression they use like piece of cake like oh this is this foreigner is going to be a piece of cake for you and i heard that I, and i can speak thai pretty well so i when i heard that i got pissed i was like all right we'll see about that okay it's going to be a piece of cake huh and uh we go to touch gloves start the fight he spits a mouthpiece out too and i thought oh dude i'm gonna knock you out and uh we exchanged a little bit, and the uh, dude was a hard kicker, too, man. He landed a couple heavy kicks, and I was like, oh. So I tested his jaw a little bit, and I, I ended up cracking him on the jaw with the right hand and KO'd him, right, on the ground. I never did this before, either. The guy was out on the ground, eyes wide open like a dead corpse, and the crowd got quiet, and I, I didn't know what to do for a minute. I looked down at this guy, man. I'm a sportsman. I I don't want to kill you. Mm. And uh, finally, after like a minute, he, he woke up, and then everybody's clapping and this and that. But so after I I win that fight, I go back to the camp, and all the like Kuyatong and Kugong and uh, a bunch of the the big wheels, all sitting around. And uh, I guess Gong Talani had told uh, Kuyatong that I my wife and I were opening up our own gym. Okay. So Kriyatong comes up to me and he says in Thai, uh, Walter, you open up your new gym. It's going to be the Sityatong L.A. You understand me, boy? Kao Chai Mai? I'm like, yes, sir. Kao Chai Kap? Okay. Yeah, and I, it wasn't like a, a franchise or a... Um, contract or anything like that or even me asking him because when i came back to the states you know in hollywood and la there's a big thai population and all my thai friends were asking me how did you get to have the name korea or Tong? how much did you pay him i mean geez i was like i didn't ask him i he ordered me to it was a direct order you know like almost like a military thing and uh 
at that point, I was so proud, too. I was like, ah, I made it already. I mean, that was like my mentors and, you know, I looked up to, I was watching like Samat for years before I ever went there, you know, and, and to train with those guys too. And Nung Pichit, who cornered me a, a couple times too. But uh, yeah, that was just like, wow. So that's how, you know, after going there for years, back and forth, and then fighting that one fight, and then now they want me to have the city of Tong camp. I mean, I was like, yeah, that's why I was teaching all you guys all the, the names of the techniques. Yeah, yeah, it was stuff. all legit, so. so legit. I appreciated that. And you would bring out, uh, you know, Samat and yeah. Kru Krugong. Yeah. I brought out mostly guys from city of Tong yeah, camp yeah, yeah. or affiliated yeah. with uh -huh. it, too. But I did have a couple others, though, too. Um, Sakes on Janjira and... Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Gan sucks off and jit and uh, some other really really awesome legends too. Yeah, and then they started having uh, like professional Muay Thai events, right? In in California. You know when that kind of really got going was uh, remember when uh, um, was it Hoist that fought uh, Matt Hughes at the Staples Center? Okay, I, it, that that was years. That was years later. That's when they. Made Muay Thai legal in California because oh, it was illegal yeah, before it was that. illegal. It was a different rule set, right? You could only kick the legs, no elbows, no knees to the head. I think they allowed you to do knees to the body, which is pretty much like amateur Muay Thai now. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. So after they did that, they had the UFC, the well, Muay Thai community kind of you know mentioned to them, hey. <laughs> you can do everything yeah in it, ufc and mma give us a shot here yeah, yeah so then they allowed it and at that point i actually started fighting again too i was retired but i was too old i sh probably shouldn't have did it but you know how it is fighting you're like you can't quit yeah 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 I mean, yeah I, I remember seeing some of those posters that were hung in your gym you know from the, those fight events and you see like you know Dwayne Ludwig and you know, Holly Holm. Holly Holm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? And trip. some <laughs> Kong Nepal was on one, Ole Larson, some famous, famous Kunpon. Yeah. Some famous fighters they brought yeah. over. Koban, yeah. you know, so. They would fly people in from all over the world yeah. to fight, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I remember reading about, reading about them in the magazines, because that's why you, it was before the internet, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think right at the beginning of the internet, huh? I mean, uh, maybe. Uh, no I, social I'm, media. I just remember, yeah, no social media, like maybe, but they didn't really have too much like striking, you know, stuff on the internet. Well, I didn't know where, I, you know, I didn't know where to find it. And I think it was mainly the magazines where you got your information from, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. If you made it on the magazine, you made it. You're famous, right? <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> you know, yeah. right? People know about you. you got, you're in uh, Blackwell Magazine, your Kung Fu Magazine. In the whatever. martial arts yeah, world, yeah, too, yeah. but it's not like you're Brad Pitt or something. So, Right, but, you know, in the, in the what was it, some of the, mag, was it, was it some of the bookstores before Barnes & Nobles? There was, uh, where some of those old uh, bookstores that mm -hmm. you get the magazines at? All over, yeah. Where Newsstands. New stands, yeah, yeah. That's where yeah, those things are huge now. You can barely find them, right? That's too bad. Those are cool. <laughs> Everything's online. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and then uh, and then uh, yeah, you uh, you uh, brought would bring a team to Thailand every pretty much every, every year. year. Yep. Yeah, every year. Yeah. Throw them to fight. You know, 
some bigger places, some smaller. I always love to start people out where we all started out. Best friend bar in Patia. I don't know if you went with best us. friend bar. Best friend bar. <laughs> Picture this. Here's a bar, a um, bunch of little mini bars, ring in the middle. Tattoo shop at the back of it. All the waitresses are prostitutes, <laughs> and they're dressed in, like, Victoria's Secret <laughs> lingerie and stuff. And uh, it was just a fun place. I mean, you could go in there, and anybody could fight. But they they knew what time it was. I mean, if you were an experienced fighter, you came from a camp, you, you may be fighting somebody with 70 fights at Lumpini Stadium, you know. So... They had all different levels. I mean, if they had a, a drunk sailor dude that just wanted to fight, they'd set him up with somebody, you know? And it was no weigh-ins. They would just eyeball you. But uh, they don't have it anymore. I don't know what happened, but that used to be so fun. We would just go there and hang out and watch it. And just... I remember, uh, you know, because I, you know, I, I took a D with me. We went, you know, I wasn't able to go with the, with the group, but I got to hang out with you guys that one day, one of the days, right, and have, eat together and, you know train a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. and, and experience a little bit. Cause I wanted to, I was like, I have to go. Um, but, uh, you know, even the, we went to the Phuket and the PP islands, you know, mm -hmm. and they even, they, even there, there, there's barely anything going on, but they have a ring and a place for people to fight. Yeah. Right? yeah it was, <laughs> so it was place to vacation. And you, mm -hmm. you, you, I guess you, you just fight fighting, traveling to Thailand. Right. Some fun, you know, fun, fun, <laughs> unforgettable times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bringing guys out, you know, like going back when you when you started like really training and you're like I started to get you came to you know to to music school right in in, in California, you started training Muay Thai. What are some of the things that uh, you felt that would that were changing you that for the good? What are some of the things that you saw happen that made you a better person? Well, that's a great question, Alberto. Um, I think with my personality, I probably would end up maybe in prison or something and or doing some really negative uh, activities. And uh, I needed something that was serious enough for me to keep me straight, to keep me living a... a not necessarily like a monk or anything, but a pretty modest life. I mean, as a fighter, you know, you can't really maybe put on this persona like, you know, you're Superman. But the truth of the matter is if you're out partying all the time, if you're not watching your diet, if you're not keeping up with your, your maintenance level, what I, I stress this a lot with the people I train in terms of, you know, competing. It's all done through maintenance. I mean, if you're going to get in tip-top shape, like you're going to fucking Olympics or something, and get ready to fight, that's great. But when you finish your fight, you're either celebrating nonstop or you're so busted up and hurt that you're killing the pain, and you can wind up with some addictions, you can wind up you know, not being able to follow up on a successful career. You can wind up 
uh, getting a good offer and not being able to produce, and those offers don't last. I mean, as you get older, the the availability for you to get good situations in terms of fighting are gone. It's a young man's game. Injuries, too. I've seen guys that are not maintaining, you know, they put on 30 pounds, come back in the gym, and then they start sparring or doing the same activities that they did while they were, you know, on their super sharp level and they get hurt. They get hurt, and it can be really bad. You might get into a gym war, and you got that ego, and there's no quit in us, too. So we're not going to stop, and then next thing you know, you get uh, you know torn rotator cuff, or you've you know, torn meniscus on your leg. Oh, I can't run, or who knows what it is. Maybe you get in trouble, you get locked up, or you know, get some girl pregnant, or something like that. I mean, stuff happens in life. Life on life's, life's terms. You're always going to have things that happen in life. But I think the key to maintaining a successful career is is through maintenance. And I think that also the... Lifestyle, staying in the lifestyle gym, is, living, living it. It is a lifestyle. And number two, another thing is the difference between an amateur and a professional. The difference between an amateur and a professional has to do with fundamentals. Fundamentals with a professional is I don't wonder if I can pull it off. I know I can do that each and every time perfectly, 100% without failure. But an amateur mind said, oh, you know, I hope I can do this. This one's not really solid for me. I like to do this. I'm not sure. And that's, that's the difference right there. Another thing is coaching and mentoring is real important. The most important thing about a relationship between an athlete and a coach is based on honesty. I mean, you have to be able to tell someone, hey, you know what? You can't do that. You know, fucking up. And that's got to change right now. Or if someone's doing something good, you got to be able to tell them, you know, and not. I don't believe in patronizing my students or clients or anything to where give them false hope. But if someone's doing something good, I'll tell them, hey, that looks real good. Keep doing that. You'll be a world champion. And you'll see them light up. And they get a lot of inspiration from that. And that's important. You know, because some of us are doubting. We hear those voices. And you get a lot of people in your ear telling you this, that. Oh, don't believe him. Don't do this. You have to be pretty one-dimensional and focused on, on what you're doing. You know, and uh, that's it. I, I got a lot of that influence from a, a physical therapist and a mental coach named uh, Andre von Kamenay that uh, uh, was an uh, uh, Olympian on the Dutch Olympic team. Mm. And uh, he's the one that, you know, got me into talking about uh, coach-athlete uh, relationships and how you deal with that in a more positive way to get more success out of the athletes for their career. Like, you know, I was asking you, like, what what are some of the things that happened to you, like, when you was first started training Muay Thai and, like, it really changed your life, you know, really brought you in the right direction? What are some of the things that started to happen to you? Like, man, this is good for me. Like, this is, you were saying it gave you focus, right? And get me, say, have you had you stay on the path, right? Yes. What are some of the things? That was the main thing was discipline. Okay. Number two was doing Muay Thai, there's something about it that just makes you tough. I mean, 
getting kicked in the leg all, like that so often, <laughs> the knees to the ribs all the time, yanking on your neck yeah. like that all the time. I remember the first time I went to Thailand, I'm at a stoplight and everybody's on all these scooters and it's packed, right? And Mopeds. Yeah. yeah, and I'm going to cross the street. I, I'm walking and I couldn't even look to the side to look at traffic. My neck was so sore. I had like, oh, like a old dude in traction after a car accident. But yeah, the, so it just it just toughened me up so much. And it also showed me that being big and strong and muscle bound doesn't necessarily cut it. I remember getting thrown around by fourteen year old kids that. Guys that were Technique, huh? built like girls almost and just like tossing me and throwing me out of the ring. And I was like, yeah, it was all leverage and technique and how to use their same in jujitsu. Mm. I mean, you got to use that, that balance and you guys call it posture and thing. it's the same stuff. And I like that about the, the in, integration with jujitsu and Muay Thai, because when you get in the clinch, you, you guys picked up on that real easily, where some don't. They just stay outside and do the kickboxing range. You can't do that because that's going to expose you. It's like links of a chain. Mm. Every link of your chain has to be there because if one's weak, it'll break. Mm. You'll be exposed. And if you're fighting that person, you're going to try and see what they're doing. I mean, the first thing that I did when I went in the ring and fought somebody is seeing how they moved how their stance was, and I could see what's going to be open. You know, and maybe I'd test a few little things, see how they react to the fakes or the punches, see how they react to a low kick, how is their checking ability. Because if you get a guy that you're up against that has a good check to the low kick or any kick, if they use those shins to block really well, mm. you kick it once and you're like, oh, gee, um, I think I'll try something else, <laughs> you know. Like I, it, the clinch game, right? Do you feel like that's one of your that's one of your strengths, right? They I think known so. for. Yeah, because that's me, one of the things that I like. I love to to learn from you. I always, you know, always, yeah. But you're a jujitsu guy too, so that's going to be something. <laughs> no, but it was, you it was excelled at. Right, but it was, it was yeah. It was you were really yeah. I mean, you throw me around, you know, with uh, some of the, the 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 different types of clinches too. You know. Well, there's really three different types of clinches. There's the the Inside, claw, the uh -huh. neck. Sometimes they call it plum. Plum, but yeah. plum just means to wrestle. So it, it's not really totally correct to say that. And then the lycan, Cup. which is the shoulder and the arm clinch. The biceps, we yeah. did. Uh, yeah. I, I, I was like just. Lycan, I remember that. Yeah, really <laughs> into doing that because it was so versatile and you could have so many different options with it. So a little more advanced, too. I'd never seen that before until I started. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. just thought that it was just grabbing the neck and right, being somebody, right, right. but it was much more. And then also what they call the L. L, L is your hips and tie. And like when kind they, of like a low back. Right. Kind of like position. a bear hug type of thing. Mm -hmm. Arching the back and, and using that. So those three. And then what they do is they integrate and mix and match like different things like, oh, I, I got the arm and the neck, or I've got the here and I fish in. It's a whole different, yeah, it's a different range of combat. Off balance you to get set up a knee or exactly. a punch or an elbow or right. whatever. Especially elbow. But I don't want to say that that's, you know, my favorite or anything like that. Of course, I, I, 
I really liked it. I guess more because in the States, people weren't doing it much, and we would pretty much own them <laughs> when we bought them if we were good in that range. But um, you got to have boxing. You got to have some hands. You got to be able to sting somebody with some some punches. You got to know how to throw your elbows. You want to throw your elbows so you're hitting with the proper striking surface, mm. which is the bone. Some people are making fists when they uh, uh, elbow and they're turning their arm at the wrong degree and they end up hitting with the muscle. And then they wonder, wow, I never cut anybody. Mm. That's why. Um, and then the kicking range. I mean, having your shin so conditioned like like they do kicking the sandbags and you know, just getting used to banging each other with, with their shins is uh, when I first got kicked with that or even took a block, I was like, well, I got to learn this stuff. I mean, it makes you a believer. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. Little guys, right? Being able to yeah. balance you and set you up, throw you down on the ground like you're weightless when you weigh, weigh a lot more than them. But back to your other question, Alberto, I think that one of the aspects about Muay Thai is, and if you get deep into this, there is a the history of it, mm. the war between Burma and Thailand. Now, Thailand was never taken over by another country, and they were in a few skirmishes, one being uh, the the Bur Burma tried to take over Thailand. I, I don't remember exactly what year, but the famous story is Naikonom Tom. I think I probably told you about this because I, I used to make everybody know about history. History lessons, yeah. yeah. Uh, Naikonom Tom was the Thai soldier that was captured by the Burmese, and they ended up arranging fights. They found out that he was a famous Thai boxer. And, a, okay, we'll put our best guy against your guy. They fight to the death. And you remember the old Jean-Claude Van Damme movies, dipping the uh, hemp rope in yep, the broken yep, yep, glass yep, yep. and then fighting. Okay, they really did that stuff. I mean, it's all part of history. It's in the history books. All, and in Thailand, they teach it in the schools. It's kind of like in America when they used to teach uh, George Washington, chop down the cherry tree, and I cannot tell a lie, stuff like that. So it's a fable. So anyway, um, they put Nikonom Tom up against the best Burmese warrior. And Nikonom Tom kills him. I mean, he takes him out pretty quick. And I guess the Burmese... Uh, uh, King was like, well, that wasn't our best guy. They throw in another one. Not too long after, they take him out. Oh, well, they hypnotized us with this pre-fight ceremony, which is pretty, the white crew and the Ramoy is pretty mystical, and there are some, there's some mojo to it. I mean, it's, Pretty much like I always like that part of it too, because it's like a like the kamikazes drinking rice wine before they went to their death. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, when they do the Y crew ceremony, it's almost like these warriors that are no, hey, I may die in here. Mm -hmm. You know, and it like most of the sakyants and the the Thai tattoos that they do with the the needles and mm -hmm. stuff like that with the monks doing it. Um, they most of them the common. Uh, thread is they will have to do with protection 
a lot of times. So a lot of times we believe that, you know, if you have the Sakyants or you're wearing the Buddha and stuff like that, that you can take a bullet. I mean, you're... And I remember when I was staying in Rayong at this camp called Sa Panajapet, there was some uh, um, trainers from Sityatong mm. that were there, and I ended up going over there for a while. And uh, it was owned by the... Uh, uh, the owner was a Thai military general, I think special forces or something. They were hardcore, maybe Cobra gold Marines or something, but those guys were so badass. They would, they would rather die than lose. I mean, they had that mentality and it came from the history of that Nikonome tome. Nikonome tome ended up beating nine Burmese Mons, killing them when they were at war with Thailand. So they put the toughest Burmese guy against the, Nikonom Tome, he killed, after nine deaths, they said, the king said, okay, truce, that's it, you know, and that's how Thailand stayed out of the war. And if you think about it in terms of casualties, it's a much more humane way to do battle, only nine casualties instead of, you know, thousands. What so, years were those? I think it was maybe... 1700, something okay, like that. Okay, that's cool. I got to that's, that's the way to do it, right? <laughs> Save yeah. a lot of lives. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I mean, that caused, I think, the Thai boxers to have that mentality. Mm -hmm. No, yes, nobody can beat us. Mm. You know, I, when I first went to Thailand, they, they thought us foreigners were like nothing, mm. you know, that we were weak and soft and uh, kind of like the kids today, I guess. <laughs> no, but. But the the Dutch, right? Like Raymond Decker. Oh like yeah. Like he changed the game, though, right? He br kind of brought some. Yeah, Ramon Decker was. He trained with Kriyatong too. Oh, he I did. met him at Sityatong, okay. actually, and uh, one of my biggest influences too, and uh, I know him too. I haven't seen him in a while. Uh, Rob Kamen. Rob, Rob yeah. Kamen was badass. He he trained with Krugong too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think he uh, lived with him for a while, but. Uh, um, yeah, the Dutch came over and they didn't want the watered down version. You know, they came over and uh, wanted to fight with the best ties using elbows and everything and uh, were really successful. And still to this day, they're, you know, probably the them, the French are really good. Um, I think it's getting much more international now, too, especially with the Internet. The only problem is technology has also weakened things down a little bit. And it's also, well, soccer is such an international sport. That's You're talking about Thailand, right? Thailand grew a lot, and soccer group has been growing a lot. Yeah, so soccer is, now they have Chonburi FC and different mm -hmm. like Thai soccer clubs where the kids are probably more into that because maybe there's more money to be, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, did you ever see the Thai kicking sport? With the like the volleyball with the feet, they yes, call it taka. Yes. Uh huh. Taka. That shit's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> some skills. <huh? laughs> yeah, I mean you can see some of the kicks too, like the <laughs> crocodile neck kick and stuff. They do that. I mean, so we used to play it at Sitiatong Camp every Sunday too. Man, that's cool. Man, you know they have the one FC right in Asia, and they have like they have like of course MMA matches, but then they have Muay Thai. Right, like matches and even jujitsu now. So you know, what do you think about that? Oh, I love it. I love it. I know Chatri. He's a 
He's from a lineage of yeah, the city. Yeah, he goes way back with Kriyatong, and uh, really great guy. He grew, too. he grew up there, right? And he grew yeah, up in the in, yeah. the in the gym. And uh, and he fought too. I mean, he's uh, he's really spearheaded the martial arts development as of the last few years. Uh, I mean, he internationally. Went, he, you said he went to Harvard. Yes, he went to Harvard. Huh? So for a kid from from the the streets like grow grows up in the gym goes to Harvard. Yeah, they ought to make a movie about that guy. That's man. pretty crazy, yeah, huh? It is. It is. So these big uh these putting these big events on and really I mean you feel you feel the 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 just the essence of of the martial arts and you, you know do. the productions and things that he's, they're putting together. You do. And I I like the message behind it too. Um he puts a, out a message of uh honor honorable warriors mm, too mm. you know there's not a lot of cheap shotting and uh uh trash talk i mean some of that's okay or whatever but it's pr it's pretty classy it's pretty good stuff yeah 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 and they got it on amazon prime now awesome yeah <laughs> it's cool it's cool compared to i mean man back in the day i mean where did you where did you watch muay thai fights if you i mean they didn't really have it on <laughs> cable right where how did you get a hold of, of footage um, what I used to do, I mean, sometimes you could get like a satellite dish or something. A satellite dish. But I used to go to uh, a uh, video shop in Hollywood, and the guy's name uh, was Tony. That I don't know if he's still there. Probably still there, too. And I used to rent uh, Muay Thai videos every week, and they would call me... What are your videos in? And I would get like blockbuster days. <laughs> yeah, kind of like that. And Lumpini Stadium, Raj Damnern, and all these uh, uh, Thai boxing shows. And whatever the new ones in, I'd have them save them for me, and I'd run up to Hollywood and get them. That's amazing, man! What a journey! What a what? A, so many years, so many people. Mm -hmm. You know, you've been teaching for so many years. You know, um, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy when I think about it. You know. What what motivates you after all these years? What mo motivates you to go in and teach and, 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 and train these guys? Like you just did a smoker like uh, this last month, you know, that some of the guys from here went yeah, and fought in. Yeah, they did good too. Um, it was great. Um, for me, I think, Alberto, it's um, – I mean, I kind of branched out and things change a little bit in terms of – like who you train and your clientele mm. and how you evolve and whatnot. I'm a lot more technical than I used to be. Mm. I think you caught the tail end of it, but I, and when I first started out, I was, I was still fighting. The, the, I, the I, tail knee, I the just, tail knees and the ribs. I just got, <laughs> I just got guys in there and I would be like, oh, okay, you look about the right size, put the gloves on. And I would just spar <laughs> with them. Wouldn't really show as I'll much. I'll never forget when I brought Rio Shonen in and you're like, you need him in the ribs. He's like, why, why he need me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it was just, I pre I I love I love I love yeah, I love, yeah. I, love the, I love the intensity and and uh, pain's yeah. the best teacher though too. <laughs> That's what you said. <laughs> yeah, and I, uh, you know, you gotta feel it. <laughs> yeah, if people came back at me, that was cool too, you know. But uh, I think uh, I don't teach like that anymore as much. A little bit. I mean, you have to have you know the fortitude to to hang with that type of sport but i think uh, now it's much more technical i do still fo focus a lot on the the uh, 
cultural aspects, but I also um, I train a lot of law enforcement guys now, mm. and um, they need it, you know, and they're they're good customers and they're dedicated and you know I have whole families in there and um, that's that's changed quite a bit and also the fight game is it's different now there are no more smokers you have to have what's called an in gym event mm. or which is kind of like a there's no knockouts allowed so it's like a hard competitive sparring i mean you can go pretty hard tagging each other but it's it's good because it gets some experience they have to go through the same weigh-ins and commission and stuff like that but they're not going to get ko'd in those bouts so it's a good way to get their feet wet so that's changed a good bit too and then there's my martial arts has expanded to i i've been into I don't know if I started in the dog training when you were there yet, but yeah, you were. You yeah, were, I got were. deep into that. Right. I trained protection dogs, canines. I was a German Shepherd uh, breeder of high-level working dogs. And uh, what do you what do you love about that? To me, it was the same thing. I mean, and and now I'm on a competitive shooting team too. I shoot uh, Ipsic USPSA, and I just did the uh, Echo One California State Championships. Uh, recently, now I'm going to go out to Utah at the end of this month and do a two-gun competition there. But that's a whole another thing. But to me, it's all martial arts. Mm. I mean, the dog training. I remember when I went out to this uh, famous dog trainer's house. I was training her kids. Her name's Nellie Ratchko, and uh, she had me put on a sleeve and take a bite from this monster Schutzen Three German Shepherd. And I didn't know anything about it. And I told her, man, this dog's not going to, like, bite me in the face or nothing. Here, I, She wanted me to just stand there and have him come up and go into full, like, guard mode. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, snapping in my face. She was like, no, he knows his job. So, okay, when I give you the sign, I want you to just pop the sleeve up and raise your hand in a threatening manner. And that'll be the <laughs> cue for the dog to engage you. So, uh, okay. And I, I did it, bam, and this doctor, bam, he hit me like a freight train. And, uh, okay, now straighten your arm, and you'll slip the sleeve, you'll pull it right off of you, and that's his trophy, you know, that's that was it. I was hooked immediately. It was that like, was your first. That was your first experience, yeah, like, wow. It was like the first time I got kicked in the leg doing Muay Thai. It was like, oh, I got to learn this stuff. I mean, and to me, doing protection work doing bite work was like holding pads for somebody because your timing has to be there the same way and or like holding boxing mitts you have Mm. to have the correct timing to catch the strikes so that was it and then the same thing with competitive shooting i had a um, master level three gunner that was one of my students when i was Still had Sityatong in Pasadena and uh, took me out. Hey, Walt, you uh, you like guns? Yeah, I like guns. Uh, you shoot? Do you have something? Yeah, I do. I You know, I can shoot pretty good because I'm from Indiana. It's like we'd be shooting in our backyard and hunting and all that. My dad was a career military guy, so I knew how to gun handling. Fairly had the basics, so I thought. So this guy takes me to a shooting match at a Prado Running Gun, which I still go to now. So I do a shooting match with these guys out there, and they were really good. I was like, wow. 
And I was hooked immediately. I told him, man, sign me up for this stuff. I mean, I don't care how much it costs. I'll, I'll find the money somehow. You know, and I noticed now a lot of most of the competitive shooters, we have sponsors because it's pretty expensive. Mm. And the way they sponsor the guys, like now one of my sponsors is Terran Tactical. And I ended up going out there. That guy introduced me to Terran Butler that, you know, he trains the guys for the John Wick movies. And uh, I ended up uh, doing some Muay Thai with him. And he had some people out there, some actors and some uh, uh, people out there that uh, really talented that uh, I started working with and holding pads. Next thing you know, you know, oh, Walter, you're, you're not bad. You're pretty decent. I'm going to put you on the team. He made me the jersey with the City of Tong logo on it, and that was like the, cool. the, next, the next level of things for me. And it was just like another martial art, you know. There's a lot of skill involved, a lot of practice. Mm. Same thing like any of our martial arts. We've got to drill it. We've got to do it over and over because you know how it is with fighting, Alberto. You don't have time to think about this and that. Oh, I got to do this. Now I've got to move here. I got to put this in. No, it has to be a reaction. So when someone does this, I do this automatically. And that is done through repetition. Mm. So that's it. What are some top moments of uh, your of Muay Thai, your Muay Thai journey? Well, probably the top, the top of the mountain was when they ordered me to take the city of Tong name mm. when I fought at Patia stadium there and I ended up w with the win and was blessed enough to, you know, have them ordering me to carry the city of Tong name like that, you know, it was just like, you know, cause I was really a student still am student of the game big time. And I knew a lot about, their history and Kriya Tong's history. And to do that, it's just not something they hand out to everybody. You know, I mean, uh, the only other one I know um, in the States is Mark Delagrati. Mm. You know, and uh, Mark's another guy, too. Uh, speaks Thai, fought in the stadium, um, has a lot of experience. And, uh, you know, he's really uh, uh, opened up into the MMA world now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Kenny so, Florian and those yeah. the, the guys that he, that he oh, trained for a long time. Much more, much more than that too. Mm. Yeah, yeah. What are what about teaching? As far as teaching, what are some uh, well top, top moments? Teaching, um, of course, making some champions. I've mm -hmm. made uh, fifteen now amateur and pro champions, mm -hmm. both in Muay Thai and MMA too. But uh, so 15 champions with that, you know, that's been really good. But, I mean, for me, just being able to, it's what God put me on earth to do. I realize that now. And to help people because mm. doing this stuff, and I'm sure you see this also, people start living a healthier lifestyle. They're not, especially with kids, they gain a little more confidence and are more secure about themselves and are able to make better decisions in life. And it's funny how people may think that, you know, you're training them to fight, to kick things, and they're like, wow, and, you know, going crazy, that they're going to be some sort of, like, mass murder or, or mental case, but it's just the opposite. Mm -hmm. We used to talk about that with dogs, too. Mm -hmm. You want your dog to calm down at home? 
do some bite work with them. You know, and they're like, why you're training vicious attack dogs? No, <laughs> around the house, they're, it's like when you were sparring, you're doing some sparring. Maybe you get your bell rung. And I remember sparring one time and I was hurting. I was busted up. I'm sore. I, the birds are still chirping, you know, <laughs> like bells ringing. I'm driving in the street and somebody some dude cuts me off and he was like, ah, fuck you, puto, get out of the car. And I, I was like, I had just come back with the from the gym, you know, and I was like, whatever, man. Hey, sorry I cut you off, you know, and that was it. So if someone says something or does something like that, it's just, it's leaves you with a good, good mindset and, and state of being to where, um, I don't know. I think that it's, Peace it of just, mind, self-control. Yeah, it has a lot of really good effects in terms of stability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, uh, what, uh, what, uh, you've been doing it for, you know, so many years, like what's, what's the legacy? What do you want to be remembered for? Remembered for? And, uh, in this, this, well, professional, I'm pretty much doing you know, what I live in the dream. I mean, I'm blessed to be doing this. You know, it's like you do this type of job when you do something you really enjoy and you like doing, it's like, oh, I get paid too, you know, and I'm not rolling in dough. I'm not like, you know, driving around in, you know, Mercedes's and flying in with a helicopter or anything, but you know, I'm okay. I mean, it's, it's fine with me, you know, and I think that's, it puts you on a, better spiritual path too. Mm. But I would like to uh, just continue promoting Thai Mm. boxing in America. I mean, I'm American. I'm not, you know, a foreigner. I'm, you know, people may say, oh, he's one of those wannabe Thai dudes or whatever. It's not that. I'm still proud to be an American. And that is just something that I think could accent American culture in a positive way. So if I can build that in in the states that would be like my continued goal that's it well thank you for all the work that you've already done to to build that you know thank you for the work you've put into me and all the you know traveling with me and helping me with uh you know without making making much money or no 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 money right i mean all these guys you know you if know it was out the, about the money only we'd be barking up the wrong tree I uh, appreciate all the love and, and care and, and hard work you've uh, you've put into me and all you know I've seen you do with so many other people all around LA you know and I uh, appreciate 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 everything well thank you Alberto and it's a pleasure and an honor to be here it's good seeing you once again yeah. and uh, I'm proud of you and you know the legacy that you've uh, achieved here too man so well, look, yeah, I'm honored to be part of it yeah we'll look, look forward to having you out here to hopefully Help us out with uh, some of your your magic. Let me know whenever. <laughs> where's Where's your gym at? Uh, it's in Monrovia. Monrovia. Yeah, Great. it's in Monrovia on a little street right off of Myrtle uh, Taylor Street, two six zero Taylor Street. You can get uh, www.sityatongla.com. Mm. and you can uh, Instagram, uh, which is official underscore Walter S Y T. Because we all, we all know what the SYT is. And then uh, Facebook, Walter McLowski. Awesome. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you sir.